Hey, Grace Covenant, thanks for connecting in worship with us today. Praise God for technology that makes this possible as we're not able to gather yet in a physical building. It's great to be able to connect with you to get into God's Word through the means of technology. So again, thanks for joining us. Today, I am excited to have Pastor Sam with us from our Statesville campus. He's going to join me as we present the message today as we've been talking about uh, essentials. And today we're going to look at a second essential in the early churches defining the book of Acts that, I, that we believe not only was significant for the early believers, but is significant for us today as Christ followers. So things that are essential. So Sam, as you think about the word essential, um, how would you define that? And what would you say is uh, essential? Well, something's essential if it's part of something that means that whatever that something is won't work right if it doesn't have that part. And so it, it, in order for something to function, it needs to have all the essential parts. Yeah, so so it all works together. And certainly um, we see that happening within the body of Christ. You know, according to Webster's Dictionary, essential implies belonging to the very nature of a thing and therefore being incapable of removal without destroying the thing itself or its character. So even, as you said, critical to the functioning of the whole because it's essential. When I think of essential, I think of like the foundation of a home. Like if you were going to build a new home, um, you would find a set of plans. You would find the builder that's going to build the home. But then the next step would be laying the foundation, and the foundation is critical to the right. stability of the house. Absolutely. Now, I would say, um, man, if you, have a, if you have a bad foundation, you're going to have a bad house. Why? Because the foundation is critical to the stability of the house. And so it is in our faith journey. There's uh, components that are critical. There's components of engagement as we think of growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Jesus didn't save us just to like, leave us here on our own. Right. He, he saved us that we might be ever growing in a relationship right. with him. And not only that, that we might be a part of his redeeming work. Uh, in the world today. Right. And for that to happen, there's essentials that we need to be embracing to uh, enable us and empower us in that process. And we see these happening in the early church, actually on the day of Pentecost. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and look with us to Acts chapter 2. We're going to get to that text in, in just a moment. But last week as we launched this series, we talked about the first essential being the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, what Jesus had talked about actually happened as the early believers received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things that's interesting that we talked about last week, you know, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and don't leave Jerusalem until you have received what the Father has promised, the gift right. the Father has promised. Right. I mean, he, he didn't state it as some optional experience. He said to the disciples, no, this is critical. Right. See, what Jesus knew is they needed help. They needed help to be about this redeeming uh, message, the redeeming work of Christ. They needed the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Right. What was going to happen on the day of Pentecost, well, what Jesus talked about in, in Acts 1 Happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The disciples' lives were transformed. Um, and we see it throughout the book of Acts. Then the work of the Holy Spirit through the early church, uh, miracles were happening. The church exploded with growth. All of that uh, was a result of the essential of the Holy Spirit. Now, Sam, I know you well enough in our relationship to know that the Holy Spirit is essential in your life. But could you, could you share with us, before we get to the next essential, can you share with us, just for your, from your own experience, why is the Holy Spirit essential for, 
for Sam DeBraca as a Christ follower? Well, well, briefly, I think my sense is that the Holy Spirit is what gives life to our faith. It literally is God living within us. Without the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit living within us, we're just going through the religious motions and what gives us life, what gives me life with my faith, what makes it vital on a daily basis, very dynamic, is the fact that the Holy Spirit is living within me. Absolutely. And I would say amen to that. It would certainly be the same for me. And here's the good news. What happened in Acts chapter 2 is still available today. Amen. For those who would ask and receive. You know, Jesus said in, in Luke eleven thirteen, he says, as we ask, the Father gives. And right. so I'm grateful today that, that for every Christ follower who's willing to open their lives to, uh, and surrender their lives to that of the rule, the reign of the Holy Spirit, that they can live in that essential of the Holy Spirit. Well, Sam, as we look on in, in Acts chapter 2 as to how the early believers function, what would you say was a second essential? Well, when we read, and, and as we read after Pentecost, um, we find out that the, the disciples uh, were very committed to certain behaviors. In fact, the word there in verse 42 is devoted. They were devoted to, to certain things. And to be devoted to something means that you consider that to be very essential. Right. It's important. It's non-negotiable. It's, it's at the very basic level of, of, of your life and of your living. And one of the things that they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching. Um, what's, um, interesting as I thought about this, you know, over time is, you know, what did that look like? You know, what were, what was the teaching look like? Um, you know, today we know that they weren't, you know, popping in a Priscilla Shire or a Francis Chan video and, you know, watching that within the group. Um, you know, the Bible wasn't even, as we know, it wasn't created, uh, it wasn't put together by that time. And, you know, so what did that look like? And it's possible that there was some teaching from the old Testament, um, which was very common in, in that time period. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I thought what was probably happening in those times, the teaching, was that they were talking about Jesus. Yeah. You know, the, the wow. apostles were saying, it's like, hey, remember when, and they're recounting certain things that had happened over the past three years. Or, hey, remember when Jesus told us this, and Jesus said that, and they're recounting all that they had experienced with him over the past three years. Um, I, I just, from when I think it about that, it would have been that, fun to have been there. Huh? Well, that, that's that's um, I think that's just amazing. Can you imagine what it would have been like to sit under, let alone Jesus uh, teaching, but one of the apostles, one of the men who walked with him and talked with him and shared life with him for three years, and now I'm hearing their firsthand account and experience. Um, for me, it's very similar to hearing some of the, the some of the leaders of uh, the older leaders now um, from the uh, civil rights movement from the 1960s. You know, when, when they can say, I walked with, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., where they can say, all of a sudden, they have this sense of credibility and authority because of their connection to the leader. Yeah. And, uh, certainly and they were there. Jesus. They were present, they which saw gave it. credibility yeah. to their words. Yeah. So w- what's interesting, though, for me about all this is that, well, what does that mean for us today? I mean, we, we can't pull up and listen to the apostles' teaching and you know, so how does that work out for us? It's 2,000 years later. I mean, the apostles have long since died. And what we need to remember is that the apostles' teachings were written down. They were recorded. You know, and what we see in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in, in the New Testament, we see that those stories that they, I'm sure, were retelling and recounting were being captured and, and written down. And, um, you know, so they were... You know, the stories about Jesus, the story about Jesus' words, his activities, and all that was being captured for us today. So that even 
though that the apostles have died off because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and because those words have been captured, we still have those words for us today. So we, in, in essence, we can still listen and still be devoted to the words of the disciples uh, today, even though that um, um, the, the apostles themselves are, are no longer with us. God's word, so even though the apostles may have, um, have died, God's word lives forever. And I think that's pretty, pretty powerful. Um, you know, when I was thinking about that, um, what, I, what I know that doesn't mean, um, as far as they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, what it means, what it doesn't mean is that a person's spiritual growth is not dependent solely on what they hear from us on a Sunday morning. Right. Um, I, I, I just, you know, because that would, could be a takeaway. Hey, we're going to go listen to the people talk and then that's it. That wasn't the intent. The intent was to hear something, to learn something, and then apply it to your life. And, and I think as Christ followers, we have a responsibility. And I think it's, we owe it to ourselves. And I think it's part of our walk of faith that we need to be responsible for our own spiritual sustenance. We need to be responsible for our own self-feeding from the Word of God. And uh, so whether or not we're coming on Sunday morning or even during the week or our own time, uh, quiet times or during our own personal time that we're engaging the Word of God. Um, you know, what I think is critical in that whole self-feeding concept is, is today we are living in a time where we're blessed to have the Scripture. Right. The written scripture, the things that the apostles would have written, even the, the writings of the prophets, that yeah. we can take advantage of that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, that's, that's a critical, critical part about it. It's, it's not just a history book. It's not just a book of stories, but there's, there's something very special about that. Um, in fact, uh, recently I came across uh, Psalm 119. Um, it's, it's, uh, buried in the, the Old Testament, actually at the end of the book of Psalm. And, um, it was written by, we, we actually, some of the Psalms we know that David wrote them, because it actually says a Psalm of David. This one doesn't. Um, but there's a pretty strong case that David did write it, and there's pretty good evidence. But this Psalm is actually very unique. Um, it was written by someone very clearly who, who, who delights in and lives by the Word of God. And so they, they had a great value, and the, the Word of God had great value to them. The Word of God had great priority to them, and it was something that was very important. What's really unique about this, and the, the me being, um, uh, I love these kinds of ironic types of things. Uh, Psalm 119 is, has 176 verses in it, which makes it the longest Long. of all the Psalms, right. but it's also the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Um, what's also interesting, I don't know if most people realize this, but this was um, a prayer that was written, but it was actually written um, in a, in a, as an, ac- an acrostic. Uh, and so I don't know if you know this, but in, in, in Hebrew, the goal, it's not from left to right. It's writing right. is from right to left. Right. And so in this, in Psalm 119, it's broken up into 22 stanzas or 22 sections. And then each of those sections has eight verses. And so when you actually, if you can look at it in the Hebrew, you can see it broken down into groups of eight. And each section the first word in that section begins with uh, a letter from the same letter from the Hebrew alphabet. So the first eight verses begin with, for our equivalent would be start with a letter A. For uh, the second eight verses, then start with a letter B. And so it goes all the way through. Um, can you, so it's very creative. You can't really see that in the English version, but when you actually can look at that in the Hebrew text, you can see it at lineup, which for me is just, I, I appreciate those things. I think those things are kind of fun to, to look at. And you think about that for, if someone to do something like that, for, with the English alphabet, you know, what do we do with X? 
<laughs> you know, it gets a little, little, little convoluted and a little, little tricky, but um, they were able to do it in such a powerful way. What's really interesting about this chapter as well is almost every verse references the Word of God. Yeah. Almost every verse references the Word of God. And, and to the writer of the Psalm 119, the Word of God is essential. Yeah, it was critical. And you see that as you read the whole of the psalm. And uh, actually, I've just read through it a couple times myself. Just again and again, the reference to the value, the significance, the weight, the worth of the word. Right. You know, as we're, you know I'm going to ask you a question here as far as, you know, why is God's word essential for us today? You know, how does that work? But while you're while we're making this transition and you're kind of gathering your thoughts, I'm wondering if people who are maybe watching on the screen, um, just on your if you're going to um, watching there can in the um, comment section. Um, here, here's what here's what I like you to write. What's the one word that describes your thoughts about the Bible? What's the one word that describes maybe what the Bible means to you? Uh, what would that be? Uh, it's an interesting question that yeah. uh, I'm curious to see what, what's uh, how people might respond to that. But. How might we, re- we respond, or why would we look at the Bible as being essential for us today? Well, I, th- I think there's a number of reasons. I-, I know for me personally, I start my day every day in the Word. I- I- it's just vital. It's essential for me. It gives counsel and guidance and wisdom and insight. And I've, I've even committed myself to a process of memorizing God's Word, so I have like this internal GPS uh, <laughs> that kind of helps guide and direct me in my life because I'm so limited in my understanding and my humanity. The longer I live, the more I come to know what I don't know. And so the essential of God's word, and there's numerous reasons. If we were to pick apart Psalm 119, we would be here for hours. Maybe we could just narrow it to a few statements. But I I think first, God's word is essential because it it provides certainty in times of uncertainty. Mm. Amen. You know, if there's anything we can be certain of, it's this. There's going to be times of uncertainty. Right. I mean, we, we all face different times and seasons where we're challenged and we don't have all the answers we want. And I think life at times can be kind of like driving an automobile on a foggy night where you don't have clarity of vision in front of you. You, you can't see uh, because of the fog. And, and what, what there's uncertainty. There's not clarity. And so God's word helps give certainty in times of uncertainty. I think of this. This present reality that we've just been walking through the COVID-19 pandemic, probably one of the greater challenges was uncertainty right? that stirred anxiety oh. and worry and fear like, uh, how's this going to affect the food right. chain? Will it, how will it affect my family? What if a family member gets sick? How is this going to impact the economy? There, there, there were so many unknowns. Yeah. And I think now we're starting to gain a bit more clarity, but it was the uncertainty. So, so in that time of uncertainty, what could we do? We could go to God's word. Listen, when you don't know uh, what's happening around you, what you can always do is go back to what you know. You can go back to what's been established, the truth of right. God's word. You know, times pass, times change, seasons come, seasons go. But what, what stands forever is the truth of God's word. It's, it can be like an anchor for us, especially in times of uncertainty. I think of Psalm 119, 105, it says this, Your word, God, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light into my path. And in other words, it, it illuminates the way. And then Psalm 119, verse 98 says, Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. They are ever with me. So it's God's word that not only guides us in times of uncertainty, but I think it also gives us courage and confidence. Right. Like, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I can move forward with confidence. Why? 
because I'm anchored myself to the truth of God's word. So it gives certainty in times of uncertainty. So Sam, what about you? Why would you say that God's word is essential from Psalm 119, but even from your own life? Well, I, I think another, um, from Psalm 118, one of the verses that pops out to me is uh, 111, where it says that your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Um, I, it's funny, we don't often think about, you know, the Bible creating a sense of joy, um, but the author there refers to that way. And, and as I've reflected back, a, a couple things I had to remember is in my own life is in part of this is that the Bible is God's me, one of God's means of revealing himself to us. I mean, this is God, we're, we're getting a sense of who God is, his character of his love for us. And, you know, as I read the Bible, I often have this feeling of, of being connected to God. Right. Um, especially when I read, you know, stories of, you know, like the, the creation account in Genesis or the stories of Abraham and David in the Old Testament where you see what God is doing or, or the stories of Jesus and the letters of Paul in the New Testament. And there's just so many things that, that God is doing through scripture that as we read that, for me, there's just this feeling of being connected. I remember there was one time early on in our, our marriage, uh, we had only been married just for a couple of years and, um, we made the decision I was going to go back to seminary, and so we, we packed up all of our belongings into a U-Haul. Uh, we had a three-month-old baby at the time, and we moved all the way to Pasadena, California. Um, you know, and we, didn't, we had temporary housing for a week, and uh, we, we didn't have a place to stay. We said, we'll figure it out when we get there. And uh, so I rented the truck for an extra week. So after we got there, I knew I had a week to kind of figure out what was going to happen. And so it had to be... Everything had to be back in by Friday of the next week. And uh, Friday morning comes, and we're still sitting in temporary housing, and the rental truck is still full of all of our things. And, wow. But I remember a reading. A little pressure. A little bit, a little bit. And, uh, but I remember waking up that morning, and in my, my quiet time in the morning, I was reading the account of Abraham where, 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 Abraham, where God said to Abraham, you know, you know, go to a land I will show you. And it says that when Abraham got to the land, we got there, God said, this is it. And, and it said that Abraham built an altar and he worshiped the Lord. And um, even now when I think about that, I, I, I get emotional because for me, I was at one of those, uh, we, we were very, very clear that God had brought us to this point, that we had ventured across the country. Um, we were living in Pennsylvania, all the way over to Southern California. We, I, I, I identified with Abraham. And so when I finished my, my reading, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to build an, an altar and worship. But mine was an, uh, a worship of, of just singing. I didn't uh, have any animal sacrifices or anything, but, but just, you know, I'm gonna, I was going to have a sacrifice of worship to the Lord. And I just spent a part of the morning, you know, just worshiping the Lord and being very grateful. Well, as things worked out, not only did we have an apartment by the end of the day, but both Betsy and I had jobs. Wow. Um, so all that happened literally within nine hours that all of this was able to take place. And so for me, when I think about, you know, you know, what happened and how God led me to do something through the reading of his word, it brought incredible joy when I recognized that connection. Um, now, let me let me be honest and say, I don't always feel that connection, right. especially I'm reading Leviticus and Numbers yeah. or certain they're books. That, yeah, they're a, little, they're a little hard, but... However, there, there really is pleasure. There really is joy in feeling connected to God um, and, and the written word. Um, so I think that's, that's, that's one thing that I've seen, especially in Psalm 119. Another um, uh, thing that I've seen, or another 
essential uh, that we see in 119 is that it strengthens the soul. This is something that you and Stan talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, verse 128 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Um, you know, there's been times where I'm outside doing yard work, or I'm cutting the grass, or I'm doing, you know, do, exerting my, or playing sports. And uh, you probably have this feeling as well where you're just, you're dying of thirst. You know, right. you're, you're just, and you just feel your energy just being saturated. And, you know, you've, you're, you know, you're, whatever you're wearing is soaked with sweat. And you've just kind of reached that point where you, you're pretty much done. You can't go any further. And you're just craving that drink of water. You know, and so you, you get in, you get, you know, whether it's a hose or whatever, and you drink that water. And it, there's just such an amazing feeling of satisfaction of just, and, and, and you, okay, I'm good to go. I can, I can get back to it, whether you're still working on it. But I think that's what our soul feels like when we read the word of God. It's kind of like our soul feels like, it's like that drink of water. It's like, and they just feels refreshed and, and, and nourished. And we find strength in, in the middle of that. So those, those are two things I've, I've found uh, in Psalm 118 that talk about why the word of God is essential. Let, yeah. me, let me throw it back to you and say, what else have you observed? Uh, I think both of those obviously are significant. And I've, uh, I've experienced both of those in my life. So I'm glad that you referenced those. I, I think it's also for me, God's word has been essential in that it gives clarity in making decisions. Oh, yeah. You, you know, the life we, that we experience, you experience, I experience for all of those watching, the life you experience to, to a great degree is determined by the choices that you make. Right. So if you want greater life, better life, then you need to make better choices. So right. how can we make better choices? Right. I think we all need wisdom as it comes to the decisions that we make. And I think, again, it, we go back to the counsel of God's right. word. It's right. God's word that, that guides us, that can give us insight and understanding as to the decisions that, that we should make. I know for my family, and even for our Grace Covenant family, every time we've come to a major decision, mm. um, we've, we've set aside time to fast, to pray, and to dig into God's word. And I can tell you, every time for our church family, when we've done that with the elders, with our leadership team, to say, hey, we're going to take three days, fast, pray, dig into God's word. Every time God has brought direction and counsel to us very clearly through his word. That's so important. Yeah. It so really I, is. I think it, it, it can like, take away some of the guesswork. Yeah, again, referencing back to, to Psalm 118, the scripture says, uh, 130 says, the unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And then, then verse 104 also says, I gain understanding from your precepts. So if you want to gain understanding, where do you look? Right. Again, I would encourage you to look back to God's word. You know, if, if you were going to take a road trip, let's say, for example, a road trip from uh, here to California, you were going to visit all the national parks along the way. What you would want is a road map right. that like tells you which road to take, which turn to make. Uh, well, you would have a road map. If you can think of it, God's word's kind of like the road map right. to guide us through the process of life. So here's the good news. You're not on your own and you, and you don't have to make decisions on your own that in God's word, as we look at God's word, what do we find? We find counsel and insight and wisdom. Right. So, so Sam, share with us the last reason why God's word is essential for our lives. For me, I've I've found that the and there's some connection there a little bit. We talked about a little bit about uncertainty, but but God's word is essential because it also gives us 
this uh, peace in the midst of instability. Wow, um, that's good. And Psalm one, in um, I'm sorry, in verse um, 165, those who love your law have great peace, and nothing can make them stumble. I just love that. Those who love your law, again, the laws and one of those another a synonym, another word for God's word, have great peace, and nothing can make them stumble. It's important to realize that in Acts chapter two, even you know, even after Pentecost, it was a very unstable time for the apostles and the right. followers of Jesus. I mean, that Jesus had been killed by the religious authorities. Um, they were still out there. You know, there was still a lot of uncertainty of their own safety and what does this look like? And and now Jesus is gone. What do we do now? And yes, he gave us this great commission, but how do you go about fulfilling that? And there was a lot of things that were happening that were that were just made life very unstable um, for them. Um, which reminds me another time in our life uh, where we were at this at this point we were living in Minnesota and um. Time of a lot of instability or instability and just really weren't sure what to do. Um, and in many ways, just kind of feeling lost about next steps and what was happening. And, and I really was having this feeling like we're out here in the country, out in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. Does God even know where I'm at? Mm. And I remember reading the story of David. Um, I love Old Testament stories, if you can't tell, but uh, the story of David where, uh, um, God tells Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, David's dad, where he's going to, you know, anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel does that and shows up and says, bring all your sons here and, and brings in all sons. And, and, but God says, none of these are it. And Samuel's real confused. Well, what's happening? And, and, and Samuel said, you must have another son. And Jesse said, well, yeah, we do. There's, there's the youngest. And I thought, huh, not only was David, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, his dad literally intentionally did not bring him in because he didn't think he mattered. Wow. So, so you had just the natural circumstances of being distant as well as human intervention working against him. And still God knew where he was. And God still was able to accomplish his purposes in and through David, um, even in, without working against him. And I remember sitting, again, sitting out in the rural Minnesota and realize, you know what? If God knows where David's at, he knows where I'm at as well. Nothing in my circumstances changed, but I had immediate peace. And that, I think that's one of the things that, we, what, that what God's word does for us is that in those moments of crisis, in those moments of uncertainty, of instability, we can find peace. And uh, I just, for me, it's, just, it's very powerful. And there's been certain times in my life where um, we've discovered that in, in in our own lives personally, and I think it very clearly as we've talked about it, we, we, we can experience the essentialness of God's word for all of us uh, in this season that all of us are sharing this day. Yeah, and I think, there, I think there is that peace. And, and so I, I would encourage, um, certainly for you, get into God's word. And anchor yourself to the truth of God's word, too. As they did in the early church, it was the apostles' teaching. And so I would encourage you as our Grace Covenant family, man, have a daily discipline of, you said earlier, self-feeding, getting in into God's word. And if you say, like, I don't know where to start, I would encourage you to start, start with the Gospel of John. Um, it's a great place. Just read a chapter a day. Take you five Seven minutes, maybe 10 minutes. That's a great place to start. But even beyond that, maybe, Sam, for those who would want to go deeper, what's a second resource that you could 
encourage them to. One of the places I found to be helpful is a website, Bible.com. And they have a, a quite a variety of Bible reading plans, whether or not you want to do it sequential or certain things. And so at that website, Bible.com, you're going to find a lot of different options and possibilities for, for a daily consistent Bible reading time. Yeah. So just as in the early church, an essential was the apostles' teaching, essential for us today is being in God's Word. So we encourage you to that. Sam, why don't you uh, pray for our Grace Covenant family as we close out our time today? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord God, that we're able to, uh, Lord, talk about the, the value and the power of your word. Lord, what it means to us, it's, it's not just uh, words in a book, Lord God, it comes alive as we engage it. It connects us to you and, and to your Holy Spirit, and so we're very grateful, Lord God, for the gift that we have in your word. I pray and ask, Lord God, that we would become, uh, Father, uh, students of your word and that we would cherish it and that it would become an essential part of all of our lives, not just in this season, but in seasons to come as well. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to your purposes and to your plans in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great day.